Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Things with Wings Productions presents Chapter 4 of The Skylark Bell Skydive. I'm your host, Melissa Oliveri. In last week's episode, Farfalla celebrated her 16th birthday and was gifted a dreamcatcher by her friend Isadora. In today's episode, we read Chapter 4, The Aviary Finishing School for Girls of Distinction, in which Farfalla must return to boarding school and face her nemesis. Today's podcast partner is The Activity Continues, which started out as a recap of the television show The Dead Files, but has expanded into other areas of the wild and wonderful unexplained phenomena. You may recognize their name as they have also been members of the Bupod Network who participated in collaborations, which the Skylark Bell was part of, in the past. Be sure to check the show notes for a link to their podcast. Now it's time to settle in, grab a blanket and a warm drink, and let's get started. September 3rd, 1922. I don't want to go. I've been dreading the end of summer, not because I don't love autumn, but because it means I have to leave Meadow Lane to go back to boarding school. Mama insists we get a proper education so Paloma and I can become ladies. I don't want to be a lady. I want to be a mystical being like the Skylark Bell. I want to sing with the birds and run with the deer and play with the foxes. I don't want to be in a building learning how to sit properly and how to sew and how to write letters. I know Mama and Papa had long discussions about this in the beginning. Papa thought I could stay at the farm and help him out with chores. But in the end, Mama won. There is no mirror pond at boarding school. No apple orchard, no oak tree, no fields to run in. Only a large stone building with a wrought iron fence all the way around it. Inside, the building is filled with fancy wood trim and stained glass, and the floors are always pristine since no one here ever plays in the mud or gets dirty. Sometimes we go on excursions, which means we walk to the museum or the library. I'd rather walk to the creek and find some frogs to catch. Paloma is excited. She loves boarding school because it's on the outskirts of the city. She sits in the window and watches the streetcars go by. 
Someday I will ride on one of those to get to work, she says, almost every day, with that goofy, dreamy look in her eyes. I wish I enjoyed this as much as she does. Time wouldn't go by so slowly. The only time Papa stepped in was when the headmistress suggested I cut my hair into a short bob like some of the other girls. She said it would make me look more presentable. Papa said I was perfectly presentable as is. He then bought me a fancy comb and told me to do my best to tame my hair while I'm at school, and that I could let it run wild again when I came home in the spring. Spring seems so far away now. Time cannot go by fast enough. Fala, did you pack your shoes? I don't see them in here, says Mrs. Shearwater, digging through Farfalla's travel case. I have them right here, Mama, says Farfalla, her voice indicating she is not happy to be packing. Mrs. Shearwater ignores her tone and grabs the shoes from her hand. She expertly slips them into the case and puts the dresses and slips back in their place before closing the case and latching it. I'm all packed up, comes Paloma's chipper voice from the doorway. Fala, isn't this exciting? I can't wait to see the library. I hear they added a whole new wing. Farfalla forces a smile. She doesn't want to put a damper on her sister's joy, even if she doesn't share her excitement. Okay, the horses are ready to go. Papa's voice floats up the stairs. The girls make their way outside with their travel cases, Mrs. Shearwater following closely behind with a picnic basket. I've packed you some lunch for the road. Be careful not to spill on your dresses, she says, handing Farfalla the basket when she had settled into the horse cart. I love you. Be good girls now, and I'll see you at holiday time, she says, waving as they start heading down the lane. Farfalla takes one last longing look at the oak tree. Its branches have already lost most of their leaves, and it looks like it is waving goodbye at her. Her heart feels heavy as they turn down the road toward the train station. Chin up, Fala. You'll be back home in no time, and that tree's not going anywhere, says her father with a wink. She leans her head on his shoulder. They ride in silence most of the way, stopping for lunch at the halfway mark to enjoy the sandwiches and fresh fruit Mrs. Shearwater packed for them. Finally, Farfalla and Paloma board the train. Farfalla feels tears pricking her eyes as the train pulls away from the station, its piercing whistle like a sword plunging into her stomach. They arrive at their destination and walk a few short blocks to the school. Farfalla's heart sinks even deeper when she sees a sign at the end of the long, gated driveway. The aviary finishing school for girls of distinction. I'd distinctly like to be finished with this school, she mutters under her breath. Well, 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 if it isn't the rural folk, says a high-pitched nasal voice behind her. Paloma spins on her heel, her fiery eyes filled with anger. Well, I see you haven't gotten any nicer over the summer, Sadie Rhodes, she seethes. Now, now, little one, don't be so sensitive. She didn't mean anything by it says another girl, her perfect blonde hair pinned into a fancy twist at the back of her head. Hello, Priscilla, says Farfalla, too sad to put up a fight. 
Priscilla Ponceroy and Sadie Rhodes are her nemeses. They've been going out of their way to make her time at the aviary even more miserable than it already was. Her first year, they locked her in a bathroom, getting her in trouble for being tardy. Then there was the time they hid her shoes, so she had to spend the entire day in her stockings, earning her a meeting with the headmistress about how to be irresponsible for one's belongings. Try as she may, she has never been able to get the girls off her back. Come on, Fala, let's go, says Paloma, confidently grabbing her travel case and marching through the gate to the main entrance. On the first day of school, the students settle into their rooms and unpack, then go to a general assembly where headmistress Tangela Newsom gives the same speech about her expectations and how each of them will have arrived a girl and will leave a lady. Then they go to the hall for dinner before retiring for the evening. Farfalla feels relief wash over her as she steps back into her room. Priscilla sat behind her at assembly and kept kicking her chair, trying to get her to react so she would get in trouble. Farfalla was able to ignore it for the most part, but it made her stomach tighten with anger. Then, at dinner, Sadie put a worm in Farfalla's soup, causing her to shout, which earned her a glare from the cafeteria attendant and a sharp, "'Ladies, don't shout!' from the headmistress. Now Farfalla stretches on her bed and closes her eyes, picturing the oak tree and the fox cubs at Meadow Lane. She looks up at the dreamcatcher that Isadora made for her, hanging from the headboard above her bed. She hasn't had the water dream since it was given to her, so she brought it with her to school, just in case. Farfalla's eyes get heavy, and she lets herself drift into a peaceful sleep. She has no idea how much time has gone by when her eyes open suddenly, as if something has caused her to wake. She feels her heart pound, but she doesn't know why. The room is completely dark, save for a bit of moonlight shining through the window. There it is again. A soft footstep in the hallway outside her room. Farfalla creeps out of bed and places her ear on the door. Nothing. She carefully turns the knob and eases the door open. She peeks her head out and sees a woman stepping out of Priscilla's room. The woman turns to look at her, smiles, and puts a finger to her lips. Shh. Before Farfalla can process what is happening... The woman vanishes into thin air. Farfalla steps back into her room and quickly closes the door. Her heart feels like it is going to beat right out of her chest. How did the woman just vanish? I must be dreaming, says Farfalla out loud, her voice sounding strange in the silent room. She walks back to her bed on shaky legs and gets under the covers. She pulls the blanket up to her chin to try and dispel the chill that is going through her. Finally, she falls asleep again. The next morning, Farfalla is woken by a scream. She can hear commotion in the hallway and the headmistress's voice shouting, Who is responsible for this? Farfalla eases her door open and steps out into the hallway. A hand flies to her mouth when she sees Priscilla, 
Her hair has been shorn within an inch of her head, and she is standing in the middle of the hall, weeping. Suddenly, Lillian Merle comes running down the hall, waving her arms in the air. Headmistress! Headmistress! It was Sadie! Sadie Rhodes! I found the scissors and a big pile of hair on the floor of her room. At this, Sadie's eyes grow wide. I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. Miss Ponceroy, go to your room and do your best to make yourself presentable. Miss Rhodes, follow me, says the headmistress sternly, tapping her walking stick on the ground. Farfalla lets herself back into her room and closes the door behind her. She sits on the edge of her bed, replaying the events of last night in her mind. There's something familiar about the woman she saw last night. But Farfalla's mind is foggy from lack of sleep, and she can't figure it out. She pours some water from the pitcher by her bed onto her hands and taps her cheeks to help wake herself up. Farfalla lets her thoughts swirl as she paces back and forth on the hardwood floor of the small room. Finally, the school bell rings, indicating it's time for her to head downstairs. She stops and looks in the mirror to make sure she's presentable and lets out a gasp as realization hits her. The woman, the one who seems to have taken revenge on the girls who have been so unkind to her, who smiled at her before disappearing into thin air. The woman's face looks familiar because it is practically identical to her own. Thank you so much for listening. Join me next week for Chapter 5, Marius, in which Farfalla and Marius finally meet. The Skylark Bell is brought to you by Phaeton Starling Publishing and features original music by Canal. If you're enjoying the story, please consider leaving a rating or a review. They're both greatly appreciated. You can also support my work by subscribing to Patreon or Coffee where you get early access to ad-free episodes, as well as mp3 downloads of the music, artwork, behind-the-scenes videos, and so much more. You can also find the Skylark Bell exclusive merchandise on my website, theskylarkbell.com. Just check the show notes for all necessary links. Once again, thank you for listening. I'm Melissa Oliveri, writer, host, and producer of the Skylark Bell Podcast.